Ego blinders, ego blinders, ego blunders. Ego blinders. What was the example you gave of that, the long version of that short title? Looking for what we want. Yeah. Looking for what we want to find. So what Chazan is saying, looking for what we want, looking for what we want to find. So this is a, a preconception. If you were in a room full of gold and you were... Uh, blinded by your self-centeredness, you would be looking for what you want to find. And you would always be looking for that. You would be, and you could walk through this whole room full of gold and never see the gold because you're so swamped by your own preconceptions about what you think it should be, what you think you really want, what you think uh, is desirous. And of course, there's all kinds of complications and there's all kinds of elaborations on that that make it even more challenging or difficult. But that's the basic message there is that what we're looking for is actually not where we're looking. We're looking at some kind of accomplishment mentality, which ties right into what's been talked about so many times way before I got here, uh, called the eight worldly dharmas, the whole plus and minus setup, the duality setup, success, failure, pain, pleasure, excuse me, the extreme form that we're totally, we're so frightened of it, we don't even see it coming, life and death. Thinking those are separate, separate situations. And they are, of course, separated. Otherwise, you you couldn't, uh, couldn't even discuss it. But they're not as separate as they look. So the uh, sitting practice of meditation uh, helps us to continually come back to square one, come back to nothing, come back to nothing. Come back to nothing. Come back again to nothing. And you may, when you start out, you may be coming back to, oh, not this again. Or you may be coming back to your commentaries about this nothing, which may be, excuse me, I must be on the wrong path. I must be doing meditation wrong. Otherwise, I would be finding what it is I think I'm looking for. It's deceptive. You know, it's deceptive because it really does look like that what we're, after is what we should be getting at some point, or kind of after something. And of course, using the image of the room full of gold, there's other ones in the in the past that have been said many times down through the centuries, the Buddha in the palm of your hand is trying to say this, what you're looking for is very, very intimate, the Buddha in the palm of your hand, a jewel in a dust heap, the lotus, that those gorgeous lotus is where does it come from? Mud. So, you know, metaphors for how how this whole situation works, how this whole delusion enlightenment setup works, how to work with that. And we have all the descriptions down through the centuries and directly from the Buddha himself, very simply. Uh, life of suffering caused by desire, wanting things to be different than they are. This This, this little formula works everywhere. Anytime you're anywhere. Want to remind yourself you're a, a Buddhist or on the Buddhist path? Just look at the way you're against or have a, a problem with whatever's arising. This is a second noble truth. When pain comes up, we don't like it. We want it to be different. And it's not about that being wrong. It's about bringing as much awareness to that quality of resistance, that quality of objection, that quality of... Uh, disagreement as you can so you can really see that what is happening right now in any given moment you don't like that you 
you want something else. You even have a, a little propaganda in the background saying, you don't have to put up with this. This isn't right. This shouldn't be happening. You don't deserve this. This is always a good one. I don't really deserve this. A little spiritual materialism coming in there. So, of course, what do we say or what do I say? How do I recommend that people work with this? Well, first, we have to slow down, slow down, slow way down. Coming into the Zendo and meditation hall is one way of slowing down. We slow down and we sit down and we hold still. The other way is slow down as you're uh, washing your dishes. Slow down and watch the speed of what's happening. Watch the speed of your hand moving from... uh, this side of the counter over to reach for the dish towel. Sometimes I teach this by saying halfway measures. Look at the halfway measure between you're here, you're reaching for the kotsu or the uh, spoon and you're, but you notice that you're, there's kind of a, the awareness kind of tracks that in a way, but it drops out about midway. You already know where you're going. So you just forget where you're at. You already know where you're going. So you forget where you're at. Here's 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 where you're at. Follow me a little bit. Of course you do. I've made it just about as simple as I can get it. I always teach to very simple people. The Tibetan uh, word uh, kusulu <coughs> in the book I think it's mudra that Trungpa Rinpoche published. One of the first books he published back in the late '60s, early '70s. He was by the name of Mudra, and in the front of that, uh, he refers to his, himself as Chogyam, the Kasulu. And I had to look that up and find out it meant simpleton or something along that line. So keep it very simple. I mean, it, your whole the whole thing is right here, reaching, reaching. Are you actually reaching? I mean, is there actually, you're thinking about it, there's an agenda, you enact, you make the muscles work, and you start to reach. Amazing situation is happening there. The next time you're doing any simple operation, you could actually stop. I mean, if, if there are practitioners uh, in the area, they they aren't going to mind if, if they see you doing something silly. They're busy thinking about themselves anyway. But you could actually stop and look and just notice what the mind is doing midway. midway. Reaching for the coffee. I'm not saying you always have to freeze. You might do that a few times to to get the, the consciousness to just receive. The rest of the time, we're generating stuff. I want it, I like it, I don't like it, I shouldn't like it, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be doing this, I shouldn't be doing that. I should, I should be feeling better. I'm meditating three hours a day. Why do I feel like crap? Why? Because now you're actually looking at the crap. The, the meditation practice before you were, when you were only doing 20 minutes a day, you had plenty of energy left to cover up what the crap. But now that you're meditating three hours a day, the crap is starting to shine through like light beams. Does crap make light beams? No, certainly does. Nothing burns like manure. So you're reaching, and you could you could actually reinforce that halfway measure. You could go a little further and find that one. And just stop and look at the body shape, look at what you're looking for, look at the shape of the mind as as you're going towards it, you know the shape of the mind. It's, you know, it's movement through space to do something. You know, ground, I want the kotsu. Path, I'm headed for the kotsu. Fruition, I have the kotsu. Ground, I'm, in, I'm suffering. The path, Shila Samadhi and Prajna are meditation and uh, Samadhi. 
meditation and wisdom or seeing what is true. So ground path and fruition is liberation. And what are you liberated from? The three poisons to start with. You're no longer manipulated by uh, wanting this and not that or or having uh, being taken in by anger, being taken in by grasping or clutching or, pass, or uh, uh, passion or lust for something, wanting something to be other than this. I'm not saying it doesn't come. I'm just saying you're no longer a prisoner of it. It's like a jailer looking for an escaped convict. The escaped convict has become invisible to the jailer. Just an image. May work, may not. Halfway measures. Halfway measures. Eventually, there you don't have to do anything. Everything is halfway. It's called, what do they call that? The middle way. Oh, that's right, the middle way. Shiazan. As long as there's an ego functioning, will we continue to look for what we want? Probably. And so as long as there's a belief there's somebody, and this, it's a very, it's a very, uh, um, very cloudy kind of area. And the ego, the self-centered, it wants to keep it cloudy. So there's a, there's an underlying motivation to practice the awareness practice, become a Buddhist, practice meditation. But that's part of that is the ego trip. So it's, uh, if we get too close to the fire, we get burned, as uh, Trungpa Rinpoche says when talking about the teacher. Get too close to the teacher, get burned. Don't get close enough to the teacher, or the guru, he would say. Don't get enough heat. Or, yes. Is there a way to continue to look for what we want, but also begin to see what's yeah. being... Yeah, you don't, you don't have to change what, what we were just talking about. You don't, have to, you don't have to change. You just have to be aware of it. Be aware that you're on a... Was that wild goose? I don't know why they call it wild goose. Why not? Why not a wild chicken thing or a wild pigeon or wild canary? Run a wild canary chase. What happened to the goose? Ah, he quit. He left. He went into another realm. Retired geese. Not that funny. Of course, you're my wife. So More. What's waiting for us? Fire. We're looking and we, we want something, we're waiting for it to look a certain way. Mm -hmm. And what's right there that we're looking away from when we are trying to find something else? Yeah. Are you ready for this? You're looking at yourself. You're in the way, it's a personal way of expressing Advaita or non duality or uh, bliss emptiness. Well, it's not bliss like happiness, which comes and goes, it's not relative based, it's just complete uh, seeing what is true. Not separate. No, warfare is gone. There's just this. Right now, what's showing up for me is like me and my suffering. Yeah. I think you, you said remind yourself of your vow. Of your vow. Mm -hmm. I think you take them in the midst of all that self-centeredness mm -hmm. and you shine some light on the other people around you. Mm -hmm. Realize what your motivation is. You're doing this for others. So all the suffering or difficulty you're going through, it's for others. It's not so that you can get enlightened. It needs to be for others. It needs to be difficult because others are, you know, we're difficult enough for ourselves. And we look at others and like, man, I'm glad I just have to worry about this. What if I had to be concerned with everybody? So dedicate that. You could say dedicate that. I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to receive this as long as I need to so that I can save all beings, so I can be with all things, so I can meet everybody where they're at in the middle of their suffering. This doesn't mean you meddle with them. It doesn't mean you try to bail them out. It doesn't mean you try to manipulate them in some way. 
that's a pragmatic way of, of actually doing that in the middle of your suffering. Yeah, I think we talked about that recently. Do it anyway. It's my way of saying that. It's go right in the middle when you feel like you're you really you feel like crap. You feel like you're upset with a particular person. You're something. Then then just step right on through that. Step through it and uh, uh, do the dishes. Step right through that and uh, uh, call your mother. You know what I mean. Now just just step, do it anyway. Do it do it as if because it's actually the case. You're separate. But sometimes we have to sometimes say, uh, some people ask me, several people have asked me over the years, so, so Gazan, is this like a fake it till you make it or something? No, it's not exactly that. There, there's a, some, a resonance there, but it's not fake it till you make it. That's uh, wrong. That's wrong. Don't do that. Yes? Zara, if we're endeavoring to step into that, is, what's the halfway measure that might show up? The hallway, the lino color of the linoleum. You follow me? Is it sense-based? Yeah, everything is sense-based. If it's not sense-based, then it's senseless. <laughs> everything is sense-based. Even the mind, I think of the mind as a sense. It's sensing thoughts. It's sensing all kinds of things that arise as thought patterns or images. As I'm saying, I use this almost every time I give a talk. I'm saying, if you want to know the, the realm you're headed for, uh, a bowl full of celery. You all can see that. It's uncreated, but it's a, there. It both exists and non-exists. It exists as a concept. It exists possibly as an image if you're visual. Uh, if you're not visual, then it exists in some kind of a tangible, mentally tangible way. May not be visual, maybe tactile, maybe some other, maybe some other, uh, something resonate with one of the other sense consciousnesses, including thinking. That area is you can't, you can't, you can't destroy it, and it's always ready for anything. Anything can be created. This is why the Tibetans do so much visualization. They're always visualizing white Tara, green Tara, Chen Rezig, uh, uh, Vajrasattva, Vajra Varahi, like. Uh, our person down in Anne Marie down in Mexico. She's in Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Better get back before they build that wall. So, so a lot. Yes. Sometimes when we start to look at this, it shows up as humiliating or embarrassing to keep me, me, me. Is there a way not to shut down? Like, if I get embarrassed, my tendencies want to shut down. Like. Well, I just won't talk about that anymore. I'm not going to deal with that. Yeah. But to just be embarrassed. It seems to be the necessary to just, whatever's arising is to just let that be that way. Because if you shut down, then that's a, it's a very sophisticated form of regression uh, combined with ignorance. It's, it's, you have to, there has to be something there for you to shut down on it. And that shutting down on it is aggressive. And it's backed up by the propaganda of we don't need to do this. this isn't going to be healthy. Uh, I don't feel good about this. That's just, that's the passion part. Then there's the aggression part, and then there's the final lid on the container, or the door slamming, which is uh, ignorance, which is it's gone. It's not even here anymore. So you you find a way to snip it right off. The issue is is that it's in terms of your consciousness, it's still still not been dealt with. It's been stuffed, so to speak, and could be triggered at some point. To come back and maybe with a load of other things that you've managed to stuff 
not just you, but anyone, this person also. Yes. Is there a way for something to arise without there being action on, on our... See what I'm saying? I don't know. What do you think? It just seems that every, everything that arises, there's a subtle movement. Okay, that, okay. Okay, so that's what you need to look at. Look at you. You're actually talking about a subtle movement. So you're saying that your awareness has been looking around there long enough that you're starting to see there's some kind of subtle activity that's happening there. Just keep looking at it. Does that activity ever cease or will it always be? Yeah, you won't care. This is, I respond the same way almost, well, practically all the time. I'm saying when somebody says, well, does this ever stop? Do I, is this, when is this going to be over with? Am I ever going to be happy or am I ever going to be not miserable? I'm saying that the the you could say there's kind of a, of a as they say in the Yogacara tradition, there's a revolution at the basis of consciousness or in the Alivijnana. It's a revolution with it that doesn't it turns around and there's just consciousness. Uh, the, the 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 sense of self centeredness has seen been seen through. So it may be there, it may not. It may be obliterated depending on causes and conditions that have been going on for thousands of years. Your particular karma has come to an end, and not come to an end in the sense that you won't experience any more karma, or that no more karma will occur. Uh, we're not sure exactly how that works, but it works. But uh, um, uh, some say that uh, you only return into physical existence through a vow. You either return through your karma of un unfinished business, so you you, you got to come back to school. Sorry, not graduating this time. Uh, or you 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 dedicate yourself to others so that you return to save all beings. What do you mean when you say you're all through creating karma? You don't. Something happens. You do nothing with it because that happening is not something else. If it's something else, then you may ignore it. You may try to stop it. You may try to cut it in half or kill it, or you may try to explain it, turn it sideways, see if it works better this way or that way. Or this is, I know what this is, this needs to be stretched out, needs to be closed down, needs to be turned into house paint. You know, you, I mean, doing anything with it, it just perpetuates the, the causes and conditions and uh, um, just the um, Sambridi Satya, the relative truth, just the relativity of everything happening. This causes that, causes that, causes that. And if you align, if we align ourselves with the causes and conditions, then we tend to go on that same sleigh ride, lifetime after lifetime after lifetime, until there's a, an understanding or realization of what this is called a spiritual path. And we, we realize something else is here besides this, just, you know, planting corn and harvesting it for 70, 80 years until we die. There's something else happening here with life. There's something else. Uh, besides just uh, sickness, aging, and death. Is there a difference between being all through uh, creating karma and being free from karma? I think saying uh, free from is just a way of saying that there, if there isn't anyone there, then there's the karma may come and may go, but it's uh, depending on whatever causes and conditions are there, but it can't locate a, uh, an entity that is me, that is suffering the karma, that has the karma, that wants to get rid of the karma, that wants to not, uh, doesn't want to suffer, and so on and so forth. Yes. There's that story we talked about before of Yakajo's fox. Yes. What was his misunderstanding, thinking that he would be free from karma? I think that's just what it was. He, he felt that if he transcended this world and transcended... Uh, 
and saw ultimate reality that he somehow had was free, but just the thinking that he's that he's free from it tied him back into it. So then the way of the way that metaphor works is to show that that his positionality on it brought him back into three hundred lifetimes as a fox or something cockadoo's fox. I don't recall exactly how that went, but something like that. It's just a uh, no position, no non-position. No, no particular, and we can see it in our conversation. You can see it when you're talking. I can see it when I'm sitting, standing here talking. I take a position on what, on what I'm teaching, on the Dharma. I teach it, I teach it as best that I can to whoever's in front of me as best as I understand them. Can be subtle action without a participant? There, there can be. David. Uh, um exercise of, of looking at a half measure and the Tibetan um, exercise you're talking about creation completion is there an interaction between those exercises or are there two different I think what, what halfway measures is something that just occurred to me at some point I'm not saying somebody didn't teach it somewhere maybe I learned it from somebody else I don't know I don't have any memory of it but it's like Bring the mind to whatever is uh, happening and, and look at the interval that ego hangs on to, the interval, interval between what I want to do, what I'm decided to do, and then what I end up doing. And the, the path quality seems to be missing from most of those. So that's what we're trying to, trying to emphasize or look at the path in relative situations. So that there's so the awareness is spread around a lot. So you can't find a halfway point. Like what, what is this? The, the story where if you take uh, the distance between two things and keep dividing in a half, uh, they never join because you're always it's always separated by the half measure. So there's something to that uh, idea. But as far as creation completion in the tantric tradition or Vajrayana uh, path, I think that's a different. Might be some something there that I'm missing, but it's, it's different uh, in that you're dissolving something. You're creating something very elaborate as the ego's always doing, except we're doing a specific elaboration that you're going to do over and over and over again. Uh, Vajra, Yogini, Vajravarahi, uh, Chenrezig, uh, Dorji Bernakchen, whatever the de whatever the deity yoga is being done, you're creating it over and over and over and over. And as you do that, you see that you never can quite get it exactly the same. It's always a little bit different, but it's close enough. There's a strong repetition in there, and that strong repetition, eventually that starts taking on a a force of its own. And then we interrupt that by saying, by doing uh, uh, something where we're uh, a practice where we're taking those images and just visualizing them being dissolved. So we were taking responsibility, you could say, for creating that. So that's where that, that uh, the way in which that operates. Go ahead. Then if uh, we're practicing and we're seeing these qualities that keep coming up, ourselves that are kind of personal yeah. to a person. Is that the same kind of creation completion in our own, or, or does that apply to that also? I, I think it ha creation completion as a pa as a practice has to be done very very deliberately, and rather than having it be, you know, I've I've said sometimes that your life is the is the creation, and zazen uh, or shikantaza is the completion. There's something to that. We're always creating the same situation, then we take it to the cushion. Everything dissolves on the, on the cushion, if in fact it does. Um, then the, the 
what what is it about the repetition uh, of creation completion as opposed to the repetition of you know what keeps coming up in our head? Is it is that similar? Well, yes, it would be somewhat similar, but the repetition that you're what keeps coming up in your head is is you you don't see it as clearly because it's bothersome or you don't like it or it keeps coming back. Whereas the one you're doing uh, in a, as a practice, you're deliberately trying to visualize something. You're trying to visualize the chakras in your own body and in the body of that uh, um, meditation deity and remember, uh, visualizing uh, the activity the, the, and not only the activity or the mudras that are happening there, but also the, the um, uh, uh, chants, whatever chant or whatever uh, um, whatever the form may be, bringing up that form, then diet, then we dissolve it, and bring it up again, then we dissolve it. Bring it up again, and then we dissolve it. Does that does that enable us to take that energy, uh, see how that energy works, and then apply it to? And it's no applying. Applying is. You know, I'm not saying there can't be something like that, but it's. I I say. Just uh, you bring as much awareness to any situation you can, and this halfway measure is about that. It's about noticing that there's something about that when you strike the gong. That's something I've used. As I, you swing the arm like this and strike the gong, and you you stop, and then you you also notice that when you strike the when you strike the gong, you're not really trying to strike the gong. You're just moving the striker out to here, and it just happens to run into a gong. Just a way of thinking about it. We're not trying to get too cute with it, but it's but there's something about that follow-through part that seems to be important. Yes. Shane from California has a question. Two two questions actually. Is it okay if one becomes okay with what arises? Is there some subtle form of ignorance in there? Yeah, that's the nature of ignorance to become okay with what arises. Yeah. Whatever's arising, if you're okay with it, that's ignorance. We're, we're saying you're not, neither okay with it, nor you're not okay. You're not doing anything with it. If you're becoming okay with what you're, then you're trying to get better. Uh, finally, I used to be really upset about, but you know, I'm just okay with that now. How's that sound? Sound like I'm, sounds like I'm bluffing a little bit, doesn't it? Or I used to be really uh, this way or that way, but you know, I just let go of that. Just let go, and everything's good. Well, that works for 20 minutes, 20 days, 20 years, but it doesn't help you face death. It doesn't help you face intense suffering of all the human beings, and not to mention animals that are suffering everywhere. That you can't really, you can't really go in and relieve their suffering. You can't really pull it out of them so they don't suffer. But you can not ignore it. You can not add to it. You can actually not add to the suffering. You can not ignore the suffering. Not try to get rid of it, but just be with it. When I say be with it, even that's going too far. Being with something is, has its own kind of shadow puppet in front. Senshu. What's the difference between what Shane just brought up, being okay with what arises and having a willingness to suffer or not know? Mm -hmm. I think that uh, I think that what you're asking about there is more path-oriented, where what he's talking about there is more goal-oriented. You're trying to get to something. Do you follow me? Do you agree? Be careful because you could be wrong. <laughs> you see what Shane is asking about is has it more of a 
I just being okay. Whereas what we're saying here is, oh, you were two examples you were giving were what? Uh, a willingness. A willingness. To suffer or not know. Yeah, just an uh, an attitude. You're not really lecturing yourself. But so there's a there's a little bit of a difference happening there. I think one is more a path quality that you're talking about, where where uh, what's happening there is is not so much about the path as trying to be a certain way. Just be okay with it. I'm just going to be okay with everything. And I'm not saying that if I were to talk to Shane privately, like in an interview, we talk back and forth, that maybe way, the way he's expressing that could have a more of a path quality to it than what is showing up here. But the way I need to respond to this, because I can't meet everybody here at once, I have to respond to it in that way. But he could have more of a path quality of that. If you're sitting a lot, uh, practicing, you know, sit down, hold still, watch what moves. So if you have a an intense negative feeling that seems to arise over and over, like I think you've mentioned that there was anger that brought you to this path. Yes. I mean, jealousy seems to be problematic. Mm -hmm. um, if that appears to, the intensity appears to be lessened, is that being okay? What the, I'm trying to look back at what Shane was asking. Is that being okay? Or, or just even recognizing that, gee, once I was really... The G jealous, is extra. Now I'm not. You just said G, extra. <clears throat> no comment. As soon as you say G, or if you, anytime you make any, you know, I'm not saying you're doing that, but that's that's an indicator that there's some extra thing coming coming into, leaving, coming out of stage left onto the stage that wants to be included in this, and it's just extra. It's just a disguise of ego. It's an ego blinder. G. I could just be okay with this. More. Well, just a comparison that the intensity 12 years ago seems less now. Is that, the what? Is that still ignorance or is that ego blinders again? Not necessarily. I think that it, get, it starts to get so um, uh, refined that it's hard to see uh, if, it's, if, it's, if it's setting up some kind of a mini polarity there probably not but I, I wouldn't take it as a credential just just be with that you'll notice that that emotions get uh, nothing lasts and emotions get very rough around the edges and irritating which we might attribute to someone else or something someone said or did or we may be kind of at a loss we've got these intense feelings we have no idea what's happening with you know, we wish we did know so we could pull the plug or something. So it's what I'm getting at is less is better. Whatever's occurring, don't do anything with it. Don't, make, don't turn it into a, you know, don't uh, turn it into a credential. Although Trunk Burnpache talks about taking your negativity and hammer it into gold and wearing it as a, I don't know where he says that somewhere in cutting through. He's wrong. <laughs> No, he's not wrong. It's just he just teaches in a different way. That's all. We have some time. Are there further questions? So apparently, I've made myself very clear. Just going back to the original topic. Of yes. Looking for what we want. Yes. Looking for what we want to find. I don't know. It's, there's this feeling that it's really difficult to shift that intention when we create a carrot for ourselves. It's so enticing. Yeah. How could I not want that? How could I not want to be awake or nice or happy? Where does that inspiration begin to shift to begin to 
try to see something that's not. Yeah. I think it's been said before, I'll say it here, I think you just get worn out. It seems to be necessary to just exhaust, get some kind of exhaustion going. You're just tired of tired of looking for something else. You've looked here, you've looked here, you've looked everywhere, you've looked, you have a record, you have maybe you have notes. <laughs> I've looked and I've looked and I've looked. I can't find it. I can't find what I'm what I presume to be looking for. I set up as the how this would look if I found it. This is why someone like uh, I mentioned him earlier. I think maybe today Papaji, uh, uh, I think he's an Advaita a guru of the last century in India, said, <clears throat> "Give up the search." So he didn't mean stop practicing necessarily, but just whole searching and looking for something else takes us away from uh, what's right here. Just, just this, just this, just, just this. When we start to get really afraid or feels like we're coming to like a snapping point, is no. that a time where we could step, step into that? I think depending on each person, this is why it's so necessary for me as a teacher, for any teacher to really trust, uh, trust your students to do what they need to do. All, all my, my job is, is to encourage you to do what you need to do. And that may be, you know, sometimes somebody may need to go do something else for a while. I just talked to somebody recently who's confused between this and that, and I could see that they were just going to hit themselves in the head with it. So I said, don't do that. Do that. Simple. Of course, the person's 20 years old. And your situation, because if you're practicing so on, that's something that you probably need to work with because your understanding, although it may not feel like it, may not feel like you're any more clear now than you were Five years ago, you may feel like you're more clouded or you're more suffering more or something, but uh, it looks to me like you're doing exactly what you need to do. Just don't stop. How, how are you going to help others with their intense suffering in the world if you're not first ready to completely be with your suffering, completely be with it, no, no longer want to get rid of anything? That's why one of the slogans is uh, in the Tibetan tradition is, uh, Better for me to die, let me die. Better for me to live, let me live. Get, turn it all over to the solar system. Uh, the other way, other one is uh, uh, a very similar slogan like that. Is um, all uh, all happiness and joy and success to others, all defeat and humiliation and failure to me. Have you heard that before? I didn't make it up. I don't think. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like I did, but I didn't. But it's a, it's just a way of turning the, turning the tails on ego and just deliberately, like, ego doesn't want to come in and meditate. Ego wants enlightenment, but ego doesn't, when you come in and sit, ego's right there just analyzing your sitting and analyzing. And you're, right now, everyone in here is analyzing what I'm saying, and I'm sure you're finding a lot of negativity in it. When I say I'm sure, I don't know what you're doing. You keep coming back, so here you are. But we tend to pick apart things, not only what we think, but what the, what other people say. And this is why I say, have said, uh, at some point you're going to have to, uh, if you can't do it on your own, then you're going to have to allow, let the teaching person help you, which means you give them the benefit of the doubt. I'd even go so far as to say, trust them. I had to do that. It's difficult. You know, I know it's very difficult to be, especially to be working hard on yourself and feel like you're 
dotting your I's and crossing your spiritual T's and so on. You're doing what you need to do. You're following what you're, you're doing in the protocol that you've been uh, told to do by your teacher, by the Sangha, by the, the structure that you're in. You're doing the very best you can. At the same time, you're you're running through all this, uh, these, uh, this gauntlet of reality, slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, as they say. It's just stuff is just happening. It doesn't have to be outside of here. It can just be in our own mind, the things that are happening. Very dip can be very, very difficult. And I, I don't know what else to say other than uh, don't accept it, don't reject it, don't look away. On the other hand, uh, the practice that I just mentioned, which is all, all, uh, all success and happiness uh, to others, all failure and misery and defeat, I'll take that. This is the Bodhisattva practice, yes. Uh, from Kozan up in Traverse City. Yes. How do halfway measures help us see through ego blinders? Just breaks things up into smaller particles, so we aren't so uh, so confident about everything. Kind of this kind of me and my activity, and just you just stop, stop in the kitchen, stop halfway down the steps, and just stop and look at your world. It's there's no way you can get to the bottom of the steps. It's a, it's a misunderstanding of, of who you are and what this is. There's no way you can leave this room. How many times have I said that? 28? What do I mean? I'm not, not saying sure you can get up and leave the room, of course, but understand what's being said by you can't leave this room. This is, this is what there is. It's just this. This doesn't lead to that. If you think it does, you'll have your work cut out for you. How does it show up to trust the teacher? <laughs> How does it look to you? Do you have a teacher? Teacher's pretty ordinary person. What's different about the teacher? Please don't compliment me. Last time you asked me that in a talk, and I said something, and you said you're wrong, nothing. So Go ahead. Keep <laughs> <laughs> coming. No, no. I just don't have an answer. Okay. So I think uh, the teacher functions as some kind of some aspect of you. I mean, if they don't, then you know they'll just be another person with a bunch of ideas about stuff. But when you meet the teacher that's supposed to be your teacher, he, she, they will have will be something about them. Not that they don't have their idiosyncrasies and so on, or maybe things you like or dislike about them or whatever. But something about them that that is that resonates with you and on a level you can't you can't find out what it is. I know when I met Trung Rinpoche, I was completely paranoid and freaked out because I couldn't believe somebody had that much of a hook into me without my permission. I didn't give him any permission. So that was my story. That I was an extreme case of craziness. Question from Gilkado up in Minnesota. Yes. If we give up the search, how do we arrive at the constant state of not being found? That's already the case. If it's the constant state of not being found, if it's the constant state of not being found, then, <laughs> I mean, what more can I say? She's already said it. She stole my fire. I was getting ready to make a big pronouncement. Get up the search, you know, there isn't anything else but this. There isn't anything else but this. There isn't anything else but the sky. There isn't anything else but the earth, but the gophers and the birds and the and uh, the, all the crazy stuff that's happening all over the world. It's just 
amazing. And you've heard me say this before. I'm saying it again. And you could contemplate it. I don't know. That's how I know. I, I don't know. It's not information, not kind of knowledge. Sheldon from Union City asks, is it even possible to trust the teacher? Well, maybe in the conventional sense, it might might not be able to do that. But that would be your business. What is trust? It could be said to be not separating yourself. Not separating yourself with a bunch of ideas about something. You can read in, uh, not too long ago, Stephen Batchelor wrote a, a thing, an article in Tricycle, I think, about why he doesn't believe in guru yoga or why he doesn't trust that. You know, it's because he, because he's, um, he wants to do it himself. And he probably thinks he has done it himself. Probably thinks he's awake. I don't know that. I'm going to get accused him of thinking anything. But yeah, I don't think he understands the guru principle, even though he's probably had a few. But you know, when you have people who are taking advantage of others and manipulating and using them and, you know, using their power, you could say, on being a spiritual teacher, you're bound to have people that just freak out about the whole thing, run the other way. What is your understanding of the guru principle? Not separate, but it's frightening to ego to, to meet someone who knows they're not separate from you and actually manifest it as uh, the way it's often said, it's just authentic presence to be in the front of, in the presence of somebody who is nowhere else but right in your face, right in your lap, right in your heart right there, right here, very ordinary and completely uh, amazing at the same time. But I would say to people, uh, don't, don't do anything unless you have to. When the teacher, if your teacher shows up, uh, you'll know it. If they, uh, if you've, uh, if they've already shown up and, and you know it, but you run the other way based on your thought process, oh, they're not the exact, they're not the you're convincing yourself or trying to convince yourself of anything, then uh, maybe this isn't your lifetime to do this. Thank you very much. And to also remind everybody about the donation boxes in the hallway, please help us financially as much as you can.